Welcome to Think Like a CEO, where we discuss business, life, and leadership lessons with Gary Keller, CEO and Chairman of Keller Williams Realty. I'm your host, Jay Papazan. On today's episode, we'll conclude Gary's rules on how to pivot by discussing why being creative and competitive is the final step to thriving in a shifted market. Gary, in this final episode of the Pivot Series, we get to talk about be creative and be competitive. And before we dive into that, like, when is the right time to turn up the juice, so to speak? You're going to be creative and competitive. We, we've been through all the other steps. What, what does that look like and when do you do it? Oh, well, to be honest with you, always. You're, you should always be creative and you should always be competitive, right? We know there is a sequencing of thought. Uh, right in this in this fourth season, when we talk about pivoting, and that is, you got to be safe and strong. You got to be lean and leveraged. You got to be digital, and you got to be connected. And that's there's kind of a logical thought to that, in my mind at least, uh, as a leader. Uh, but the fourth in, in 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 that sequence, you know, you're doing all of these all the time. So let's just be aware of that. Is be creative and be competitive, right? Uh, I love the quote from Deming, right? He said, it isn't necessary to change. Survival is not mandatory. (laughs) That's uh, brutally honest. (laughs) It is, by the way. It is. Well, and he he, he really sets the tone for this final episode, right? And that is be innovative, uh, be creative, and be competitive, right? Uh, The CEOs are always reinventing themselves, right? They're, They're going to be open to the change, the behavior change is what I'm hearing. Yeah, absolutely. The the point of uh, that we just want to make right here and now is that the the mantra is always survive to thrive, and so you got to remember that the creative and competitive is really the final pieces of uh, thriving, right? It's mm-hmm. it that's right. The the safe, strong, lean, leveraged. That's all. That's all survival kind of conversation, Jay. And then we began to to lean towards this uh, take act now now let's let's take action and go do the right things uh, to thrive and being digital and connected is the beginning of that and being creative and competitive uh, are the final uh, building block uh, pieces if you will in order to to move from making sure you survive to making sure that you thrive. I love it. So let's talk a little bit about being creative, being innovative. Like, what, what does that mean for you? Well, you know, here's the thing that I understand is that the world is always changing. And if you can simply be aware of that and recognize that no model survives the test of time, no model does. And that means no product. Now, you can't predict when your product or service needs to be revamped. And however, if, if you don't want to be a reactive person, that means you kind of have to reinvent yourself regularly, Jay. You have to be creative and hopefully, uh, competitively creative, uh, on a regular basis. In other words, it's a regular mantra for you and a pivot. It's, it's definitely required, right? Uh, like they, what's that old saying? Necessity is the mother of invention. That's right. Yeah. And this is a time of necessity. People are looking up, realizing what they did that worked is no longer working, and they're being forced to be creative whether they wanted to or not. Yeah. I, kind of in my head, I know this sounds a little, um, you know, um, ghastly, but I kind of think of it as you need to ask yourself while you're trying to hang on, is someone trying to hang you? That's right. 
it's just business, right? It's cutthroat. People are the people are going to be in their own interest of surviving, potentially taking your customers, right? Mm-hmm. And if you aren't doing the appropriate things, you could be moving backwards instead of moving forwards. Well, if you don't reinvent yourself at some point, someone else is. They're gonna right. they're gonna they're gonna marginalize you or diminish you, right? I think of. Uh, uh, blue jeans is, is a really good example of this, right? Blue jeans have been a staple, at least in my life, right? My entire life, right? Wearing my Levi's and, right? And then all of a sudden, um, stretchy blue jean fabric comes along. <laughs> and oh my God. I'm laughing because it's so true. Like the first oh. time you wore one of those jeans, you're like, what is this thing? <laughs> yeah. And then all of a sudden, you had dinner and your stomach bloated a little bit and you went, hey, this is a really good thing to have, right? Um, and now, and of course, they've now perfected that, right? Yeah. And to be honest with you, I don't have, my closet used to be all Levi's back in the day. Jay, I don't have one pair of Levi's in my closet today. What's funny no, though is I why? bet Levi's why? is making oh no, but I bet Levi's is making those same stretchy things, right? But what I'm was unaware. once a novelty, I think this is a I'm lesson unaware. that the things that have felt like a novelty, right? If they're the right thing, become the norm. Can I just admit something? <laughs> sure. Okay, I'm I'm actually wearing the literally the name of my jeans are Mick Jagger. Oh, there we go. Yeah, 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 baby. Too bad we're not visual, but. <laughs> uh, and I laughed when I saw it. And All the, the guy, better for strutting. And the guy, yeah, I was visiting my my brother-in-law in New York and he took me into this basement of the store and there's a salesman going, you know what? You should try these. And I put them on. I went, oh my gosh, these are my new favorite pair of pants. They're so amazing. Anyway, they're not Levi's. And the point I'm trying to make is that if you're not constantly asking what's next, what ne- what's next, what's next, you'll soon discover it on your competitor's shelf. That's and right. in that moment, you got an oops because you didn't invent it. And if you can't buy them, you got a problem because you're behind. And we've talked about that with like all bird shoes and different like, like exploring oh. like all these oh. innovative companies that are oh. saying, well, these are not your daddy's, you know, Adidas. These are these new things that are different. And they feel materially different, like a whole new category, but it's actually linear. This is just, they've invented a better version of what you were already consuming. Yeah. And you're going to let somebody into your market. Yeah. I used to have, uh, and again, we're not, it's not an advertisement for or against brands or whatever. So I'm just telling on myself, but you know, I, I can remember back in the day when it was just all Nike and, and, Mm -hmm. you know, I had a couple of pair of Nikes and that's what I wore. And I still remember the day. Uh, and it wasn't too long ago when all of a sudden I discovered Adidas uh, Boost shoes. Oh, there we and go. And I put them on and I went, oh my gosh. And then I put on my Nike Freeze and I went, nope, this is, this is not, you know, for exercise, this isn't as good a shoe. And today, Jay, uh, I have one pair of Nikes that uh, my partner Mitch gave me, who is a Nike fanatic and thinks I'm nuts. But it's man, it's Adidas in terms of exercise shoes. It's it's Adidas, and I'll tell you something else. Cole Haan did an amazing job of reinventing uh, the leisure shoe, and mm-hmm. then they took a they took a lesson right out of Nike. And the next thing you know, 
and they're off and running. And they've got the coolest uh, options in in men's shoes. Anyway, we can get off of this. I, I I'm 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 just riffing as I think about my own life, right? About innovation, and there's water, and then there's smart water, right? right. This idea then, of brand loyalty, right? You're loyal to that brand until there's clearly something that appeals to you. Well, brand loyalty way. means you'll always give your brand first cho- first option, first choice. You'll always, that's what brand loyalty means. Meaning mm-hmm. that, man, if I have a choice, I really like that company and I'm going to go check until, uh, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah, I, had, I was actually, was, uh, had a business meeting, this is when we were still face-to-face uh, in Austin. I had a gentleman who was one of the most amazing real estate agents I've ever met in my life. And we were talking about going into business together. And I looked down at his shoes and they were just the wrong shoe. And I said, size foot are you? And he, he goes, 10 and a half. I go, me too. Try this shoe. <laughs> and he put it on and he got it, walked around. And he went, oh my gosh, I have got... To, and he started taking a picture of it. I said, no problem, man. I'll be right back. And I went down and I had an extra pair and I came back and just gave them to him. And later I heard he'd bought some another pair for himself. But the but that right, but that's the and we could go on and on about this. But if you're not reinventing yourself, someone's reinventing you. If you're not continuing fight fighting to to be number one in your customer's heart, someone is going to reposition you as number two. And one of the cooler stories that I've read about this, there's the the direct line. Like, I want to make the product better that we all are selling, right? Mm-hmm. Um, in the Great Depression, soap companies were getting hurt like everyone else. Yeah. And they actually created a whole new category in order what? to sell soap. How's and that? this is something I, I had never heard of. They started doing radio serials, like a serial story. Every mm-hmm. week you got a new episode and they were yeah. dramas based around relationships. Yeah. And they were all supported by the soap industry. Well, those are soap operas and they were <laughs> born in a Great Depression. Yeah. And it was the soap companies being really creative, like, okay, how can we stand out? How can we stand out? If we can't make our soap measurably better, can we deliver it in a novel way that allows customers to go, well, I want to buy Tide or I want to buy whatever. And yeah. that's how soap operas started. Yeah, you got you, you to gotta think outside the box, Jay. You've got to challenge all conventions. You got to think of opposites, not just you know the same. You got to you got to you, you got to ask the question: What would come next? What what would be the product that would put mine out of business? What would be the company that would put mine out of business? What would that look like? What would that product or service be? Right? You look around at other industries to see if there are examples of that. Creativity is actually a learned skill. A lot of people think it's oh, you're so smart, you think of stuff. I mean, I'm saying they say that of creative people. And the reality, what I've discovered is consistently creative people are not savants at creativity. They have a process they go through, right? They, they, they literally think outside the box. They challenge convention, right? They think of opposites. They think of what would the next be the next iteration of the same. Uh, they, they, right? They look they around them in and run a R&D Department, right? I mean, the most innovative companies, they actually have whole departments. That's all they do is R&D. Yeah. yeah. So if you think about it, it's, right, it's, it's, it's look at what other people are doing and can you steal that and do that in your industry? 
Uh, number two, look at what people are doing inside your industry or outside your industry. And can you take bits and pieces of each and create a hybrid idea? Only coming up with an idea from scratch, that's the last uh, step in creativity. It's not the first one, Jay. Right. One of my favorite stories around this was actually kind of a, a leap that you took forward in your business. And it yeah. was around the green sheet, right? Can oh, you yeah. tell that story? Because it's funny because it was like based on a rumor. Yeah. Well, the, the green sheet is um, in, our, in our organization is the sheet that allows you to get paid. And so I was actually in an interview with a real estate agent who eventually joined our firm. And, uh, but in the conversation, he talked about one of our competitors. There, there was a, there, he, he described that he had seen a system where that, um, when a real estate closing occurred, that the real estate agent, uh, walked out with their check. In our industry, normally the check, the title company wrote a check to the, the real estate company. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then the real estate company on the first and the 15th cut checks. So the agent, when they had a closing, doesn't mean that they got paid. And I heard of this no at the at the at the title company or the settlement office or the law firm. Uh, they they cut two checks, one to the agent, one to the one to the company. I went, oh my gosh, that's such an awesome idea! So I ran across the hall to uh, my my tech partner at the time. Uh, this would have been eighty nine, and I said, man, Bob, we've got to we got to create this. So we built this whole thing um, where. That we could make that happen in our organization. And, and let me tell you what, it saved us so much time and money and grief. It was unbelievable, Jay. Only to discover later that he'd heard it wrong and <laughs> that's not what they were doing. And this is one of the oldest and the largest real estate organizations ever. And here we are, that, was, that would have been in 89. And here we are in 2020 and they still don't do it. That's right. Yeah, and it was funny. Like, but that was this idea. Is there anybody out there? I mean, I've heard mm. you say it. Is there a product or service that could put you out of business or materially hurt you? Instead of letting them disrupt you, go disrupt yourselves. Right? Oh, go yeah. do that thing before they can do it to you. And there's your example. You thought they were going to do it to you. You did it, and you ended up doing it to them. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Yeah, we. I was in a meeting this morning where we were we were looking at one of our worthy competitors, something that they do. And we were making notes going, you know what? That's a good idea. That's a good idea. That's a good idea. And here's how we would do that. And we began to make plans plans to go do our own version, uh, our interpretation of what that was. That's what you do, which leads us perfectly into this be creative and be competitive. It's not just creativity for creativity's sake. It's creativity that creates real value in service or product uh, to your customers which allows you to be more competitive than your competitors, right? Yeah, it's not, you said it, it's not creativity for creativity's sake. Just so you're, maybe you're bored doing the same thing. You just want to do it differently. You're doing it differently because it gives you a meaningful advantage. Yeah, so here's the thing. Competitiveness can be the same thing as being creative, but you have to make them the same thing, Jay. Otherwise, you can just be creative and that doesn't make you more competitive at all. It's just creative. Why? That's a cool idea. Nobody wants it. Right. So competitiveness is this idea that we're being creative around what people actually will respond to. And one of the, tr- one last thing about creativity, and that is you can't be too creative, meaning that you're so creative that 
you go, this is the future. And people go, well, that's fine. I'll go get that in 20 or 30 years. Right now, I just need this. So you can go too far with that, right? Right. That's, well, that's we call the, that benchmarking, right? Mm-hmm. You're going to go out and you're going to benchmark the competition and say, how does my product compare to theirs in yeah. the consumer's eyes? That's exactly right. You benchmark. Well, you benchmark what is what is the 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 product or service that people are choosing the most. In our industry, if a real estate agent is um, putting more houses on the market than another real estate agent, then you would benchmark that and you would say, well, why are they choosing them? What 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 is going on that they they are getting more than me? And then you would you would you would then say, okay, well, given that, what would I do? In order for them to choose me over them and voila, you have created, creatively created a better competitive value that should allow you to leap forward. I remember I had a group of real estate agents that I worked with back in the, this would have been the, the eighties. We were getting hit hard by a, by a, a luxury organization that said, you can't sell luxury real estate at Keller Williams, which, oh, by the way, I think we sell more luxury real estate than anybody in the world, just so you know. Um, <laughs> but, 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 um, at that time, you know, I was, I think I was like 26 years old or so, 27. And, you know, I, I didn't drive the car and I didn't live in, in the luxury house. And so there was a perception that I wasn't it. And I turned to one of the four, Individuals and I said, well, "That's just not true." I said, "I could create a plan that would that would make any one of you number one in that market." And I said, "Okay." I said, "So I turned the one that I thought was was to be honest with you the most loyal. That if I taught them, that they would stay in business with me, which they did all the way through their career." But I said, "Okay." So I came up with a plan and I said, "Here's the trick. I'm going to pay for half of it. Jeff, to do exactly what I tell you." And I actually moved that agent into an office next to me. And I monitored what they did and they had to execute the plan. One year later, they were the number one listing agent, in the most expensive um, subdivision in Austin, Texas. And the others came to me, the others that, that had said, oh, you can't do this. And they said, okay, well, would you do that with us? And I went, no, no, I just proved to you that you can. Here's the blueprint, go, right? Well, and that's the the Bannister story, right? When he he broke the the four-minute mile, like within months, someone else broke it. Like you show people that it's possible on your team then other people can go do it. You don't have to give them all a roadmap. One of the things that we talk about, I think when people are benchmarking the competition, I think that they make the mistake of only focusing on price or only focusing on the service itself instead of looking at the combination of the two. And that's really the value of what you're offering. Yeah. You want to. Well, yeah. The the truth is, is that price is important. I mean, the the truth is, is that people shop um, uh, value by price. Meaning that you, they're willing to pay more if there's more perceived value there. So you cannot separate value from price. I know a lot of people try and say, well, I don't want to give this away. And you go, well, no, no one would ever want to give anything away. But the point is, is that, um, if you're, if someone is selling a product for a dollar and you're asking four dollars for the same product, trying to claim that yours is more, has more value. The market will judge that. They'll tell you if it is or not. And, um, and a lot of people say, well, I'd be unwilling to reprice myself at a dollar. And you go, well, here's the thing. If you think you have a lot more value, you have a choice. You can sell less or you could just get closer to the dollar and then scoop up all the people, 
by saying, look, we, we are that price, but, or close to that price. And look at all the extra value you get. So there's, there's different ways to look at that. Another really sneaky, shrewd way where price and value is concerned is, let's say you're at $4 and you go, you know, I really want to maintain my $4. Great. So what you might think about doing is doubling or tripling the value off of that. So someone looks up and goes, oh, I get it. Uh, I am paying four times as much, but I'm getting four times the value. Right. Well, that was the the story we read together about the the theater business during the Great Depression, and the double feature was born then. Same thing, right? Oh, they yeah. were trying to figure out like how do we attract <laughs> any customers, and so well, let's give them twice the value for the same price, and that's how double features were invented, and that's how they stayed alive. And all of the dynasties that we think of today, Fox and you know twenty you know twenty first century, and they all, all of came those out other, of that. They came out of it. They they ended up eating all of their competitors because they took action. They were innovative and competitive, and they they changed the value offering. They dominated. That's exactly right. Well, you think about again, um, Netflix is a really good example of of inventing this this idea of um, you know I'm going to just send you I'm going to send you discs, and it was born out of this idea that they hated to pay the late fee, right? The, mm-hmm. the founders, and so they they created this service. They were always, they always, they, they imagined a bigger future because they didn't call it disc uh, flicks. They called it Netflix, right? They always had this vision, but the world wasn't ready for them. And oddly enough, all of a sudden they, they had their ability to stream. And this guy, Steve Jobs had invented the iPad and he needed something really cool that would drive purchases. So he went to Netflix and he said, can I give you an exclusive deal? Would you give me an exclusive deal on just, you know, streaming your content through our iPad? And the Netflix that we know today was, was given wings. Had that not happened, there's a great chance they would never have existed. But had they not built that product for the future, they would have been ready uh, for the new future product. Right. Well, that's, that's a great double story because you have Apple trying to create something because the pads had all like the Newton was a disaster. Yeah. And people had tried to do that unsuccessfully and they were trying to create a new value proposition for the iPad. And those, both those companies ended up winning on that one. Well, that's exactly right. So the, the, the big idea here, Jay, is right. Step four is be creative and be competitive. And that is always be creative. Always be asking the question, what's next? What's next? What's next? What could put me out of business? What would the customer like that would be an improvement over that? And always be investing a percentage of your time and or your money asking that question and looking for that answer. And then making sure that you always marry creativity to competitiveness, meaning that your creativity isn't just because you're different. You hold your creativity accountable to get you additional customers. I run into a lot of people and they go, well, we just do it different. Say, well, good for you. Um, does that get you more business? No, but our customers really seem to like it. And you're going, boy, okay, you, you've missed the second part of this, my friend. And that is, you've got to be creative, but it's, it's, it's absolutely got to add to your competitiveness. So it's, if we, if we if you kind of wrap this up, right, for season four, it's look, pivot. Pivot if you need to, pivot if you want to, right? If you if you need if you need to hunker down and make sure that you're surviving 
and then you have the opportunity to thriving, there's basically four stages you're going to go through. You're going to, you're going to focus on being safe and being strong for yourself and your people. You're going to be lean and you're going to be leveraged. You're going to make sure that you have cut your expenses, uh, and reduced them down, um, to the, 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 the least amount of money. And then you're going to add back in the thrive money. So you, you knock it down to survive. You add, you add back in. So you're making sure that you're thriving and you make sure that your people, uh, are working off of focused job descriptions, that they're, they're, they're focused on taking action. Uh, they're focused on giving you the results you need and they have the focused support behind them. And then you're digital and connected. You're very clear that, that we're living in the fourth industrial revolution and that you are investing in the platform that runs your entire business, that runs the, the back end of it. And it runs for your company. It runs the front end for the consumer so that you're marrying this digital and this physical uh, world in the proper order. Right, digital based, physically enhanced, and you're connecting. You're connecting with your people, and you're connecting with your customers. One because it's great business, and number two because it's going to tell you always how well you're doing, and it's going to tell you what maybe you need to do next. And you'll know first before everyone else when you're connected. And the last one is be creative and be competitive, and marry the two together. Uh, have fun being creative, but make sure you always hold it accountable to go and provide better service, better experiences, better value, uh, better products to your customers so that it actually is increasing, right? Because if you're not constantly trying to get more customers, you will naturally get less over time. I love it, Gary. And thank you as always for sharing. And if you don't know, like you, you didn't, don't have to say this, I will. This is at least the fourth major market shift you've been a business person in. And each of those you've managed to come out stronger. So definitely, folks, listen. Those four steps will matter and they're proven. Yes, sir. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Think Like a CEO. Be sure to click the subscribe button so new episodes will be automatically downloaded to your device and help us reach a larger audience by leaving a rating or a review on your podcast player of choice. Next time on Think Like a CEO, Gary sits down with author Keith Cunningham to discuss leadership in a crisis. I listened to this interview five times the week we reported it. It is gold. Don't miss it.